Welcome to Journey Church Tucson Sermon Podcast. We are an evangelical free church seeking to honor God by making disciples that learn about, love like, and live like Jesus. It's true, but here's my question this morning. What is it, and imagine that Emma is here, little six-year-old, what is it that all three of these have in common? Young man with that is medically fragile and has some, some significant disabilities, uh, a young girl that is dependent on adults for her provision and her protection, that uh, an ear infection could take her out of her own baptism, or a middle-aged sister in Christ that has wandered away from the Lord and come back in repentance. What do they all have in common that if absent, according to Jesus will keep a person out of the kingdom of heaven. Because I will tell you, all three of these individuals have this quality. Turning in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 4 and 5, I'm just going to cite Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, where where after after his baptism and uh, his, his 40 days of fasting and praying in the wilderness and being tempted... He comes on the scene at the end or the the beginning of uh, middle of Matthew 4 and says, repent, change your mind, change your mind, change your mind about what? About yourself, about your own goodness, if you will, change your mind about what? About, change your mind about Jesus, that he's more than just a, a good rabbi or uh, an engaging communicator or a wonder working magician. Change your mind about yourself. Change your mind about Jesus as Messiah. Repent. Change your mind. Why? It says from that time forward, Jesus began teaching or saying, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. This is not a bait and switch like I'm offering you the return of of the kingdom of Israel and, and the time is now. Um, Some hold to that position, but Jesus is actually saying an experience of the kingdom of God that will not be completely consummated in this life, perhaps, but an experience of the kingdom of God is right now. It's at hand. We can begin to walk into it, to grow up into it, to begin to experience the blessings, the manifold benefits of the kingdom of heaven In the right here, in the right now. And then we know that Jesus went from there and he calls his first four disciples, Peter, James, John, and Andrew. They drop their nets, they leave their dads, their family businesses, and they follow him. And as they follow him, Jesus amasses a crowd of of people that are hurting and broken and diseased and afflicted by evil spirits. And because of his wonder-working miracles, suddenly he has a megachurch following. And Jesus assesses the situation, and the scripture says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 through 3, which is the beginning of our Sermon on the Mount series, Jesus, it says, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he had sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, blessed Blessed, flourishing is the definition that we like for this. When we dig into this 
this word and what it means both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Blessed. It's a good thing. It's a flourishing. Benefits that come to us. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Why? Because theirs is. Not will be one day. Yes, that's included, but present tense. Theirs is right now the kingdom of heaven. These are the beginning of what are called the Beatitudes. Big fancy word. What does the word translated mean, Beatitude? It means literally a state of utmost bliss. Happiness is the best one word translation besides flourishing. Blessed or uh, these beatitudes, if you will. It means flourishing. And I, I'm one, I believe that there are eight of them, plus one, meaning the eighth one becomes um, explained even further. Some believe in triads, three groups of three. Um, I say there's eight plus one, all right? But what are they? And before we jump into this morning's first beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit, I want to just tackle the idea together introducing all eight of them together. I got nine observations about these eight plus one beatitudes. Ready for these? I'm going to fly through these. First off, these are eight qualities of a single person. These are not eight kinds of people. That is to say, you don't pick and choose and say, oh, I got that one, but not this one. I'm good. That is not the intent of the beatitudes. Number two, they are descriptions, Jesus's descriptions of every normal Christian, not super-Christians. All Christians are to be like this. There is not a person in the kingdom that is not like this. Three, they are spiritual, not personality, not law, not rules or duties. No one is like this by natural birth. They are a product of supernatural grace. Number four, they're the exact opposite of what the world would describe as blessed or blessed. They are actually 108 degrees on each count, while the world hopes for, strives for, and celebrates self-confidence, self-assertion, self-expression, self-righteousness, and the mastery of life, a self-made man, a self-made millionaire. Woo! Jesus teaches the exact opposite. Number five, each quality comes with a promised blessing. These are, are the gifts or privileges of belonging to and living up and into the kingdom that is at hand, that is available to us. Remember, blessed, makarios, to be supremely blessed, to be happy, to, to experience the shalom, the fullness of God, the peace of God, or what we just call flourishing. Number six, this flourishing is not only present, but also future. It's tasted now, experienced now, but consummated fully and completely later on. Number seven, they teach us that the Sermon on the Mount... The rest of the sermon that gets caught in our throat and we go, oh my goodness, I can't do that. Exactly. 
The Beatitudes themselves teach us that no man or woman can keep the Sermon on the Mount unaided. The Beatitudes destroy the theory that, that teach that the Sermon on the Mount is a kind of new law that we can somehow muscle out in order to gain God's approval. Number eight, the Beatitudes themselves unlock the ability to live out the rest of the sermon. Through the gracious empowerment and transformation that comes from God's Holy Spirit. Because we cannot live the sermon on our own power. The Beatitudes invite us back again and again and again and again. When you hit a part in the sermon, you go, I can't do that. I can't do it. Exactly. Do not pass go. Go back. And read once again. The Beatitudes and number nine, Jesus is very intentional. And I would say Matthew's recording of Jesus' words are very intentional for the whole sermon, but also in the placement of this Beatitude as the first of the others and the entire Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit. This is the key to every other picture, ability, need that we see listed out in the Sermon on the Mount and a righteousness that is better than the scribes and the Pharisees. You begin with this poverty of spirit. Now, some are going, I've never been that. What do I do? Well, guess what? It's probably not what you think it is. I mentioned it already. It is not an issue of personality or temperament. It, it um, is not a human emotion. It's not something that is born out of human effort. It does not mean shy. It does not mean nervous. It doesn't mean lacking confidence in one's true abilities. It doesn't mean quiet. It does not mean weak. Take, for instance, Simon Peter, the primary disciple of Jesus. And you look at his personality and his behaviors throughout the Gospels and church history, and what you see is someone that's strong, stubborn, brash, even violent. Not saying that's good, remember? Taking out the sword in the garden where Jesus is arrest and slashing off Malchus's ear. He was the servant of of the high priest, and you go, that's not very poor in spirit. His personality does not look. We're not talking about personality. But when we look at Peter in, in the initial call, as recorded by Luke in chapter 5 of Luke's gospel, verse 8, when Peter first meets Jesus, Peter says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Put a pin in that. That is poverty of spirit. Guess what? Um, a lot of people experience me, and you would not say, Jim Roden has a personality that is very poor in spirit. Okay, it's not a personality thing. The reality is, is that, that I'm, I'm willing to get up here and talk. I'm willing to, to do crazy stuff. I'm willing to meet strangers to the embarrassment and chagrin of my wife. Why did you talk to that guy? What, 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 what were you talking about? I, I don't know. I, I liked his shirt. Um, you would go, that's not a very poor in spirit personality, but guess what? You don't know my heart. You don't know my heart toward God 
and how I feel about my own lack morally, ethically, and spiritually before a holy God. Because this is at the heart of what it means to be poor in spirit. What Jesus is talking about is men and women that are seeing themselves before God himself, not looking to the right or to the left, judging each other of what looks like and who's more humble. Guess what? I've met some of the most humbly, uh, you experience them as being very humble, they turn out to be some of the most arrogant. And I've experienced the, just the opposite. These people are talking, they're brash, they're out there, and yet they're broken souls. And they just talk. They're not afraid of crowds like other people. It's not a personality thing. It's not an observable thing even. But it's a matter of the heart of a person's own self-assessment concerning their own goodness, their own righteousness before a holy and perfect God. Poverty of spirits and absence of pride, an absence of self-assurance, self-righteousness, or self-reliance. It's a person that has become convinced that they are spiritually and morally bankrupt before a holy God. And in order to flourish in how from Genesis to Revelation, in order to flourish according to the scriptures, it begins here. With a self-assessment that comes up empty. That I got nothing. I got nothing. If God were to say, why should I let you into my kingdom? We go, you shouldn't. It's a person that doesn't spend their time looking at 8 billion other human beings on planet earth in the year 2023. They don't really care about that so much as, God, who am I before you? And when I look at that in that mirror, I don't care if I'm a little bit better than these people around me. That does not matter one bit. But what matters is who am I according to the Almighty himself? Poverty of spirit. I come up empty. I got nothing. God, you shouldn't. If you're just uh, fair, I belong in the lake of fire for all eternity. I got nothing. And this is what the Lord is indicating. And so here's our bottom line for today. Here's our bottom line today. Whether it's a start, a restart, like Sarah this morning, or just some more steady. You've been on the path and you want to flourish and you get it. You've been there. Don't move off. Do not pass go. They, it, the journey begins here. The journey stays here. And if you're in a steady state of following and pursuing the Lord, do not move off of poverty of spirit. Whether a start, restart, or steady, all true flourishing is accessed. I didn't want to say begins or is sourced in because that's in the grace of God. God is the source. God is the beginning. But it is accessed. The kingdom of heaven and the flourishing offered is accessed. And it's actually only and exclusively given to those human beings that say, I come up empty. I got nothing. I'm spiritually and morally bankrupt. Apart from Christ, I got nothing. Nothing. So the question, what does Ryland, Emma, and Sarah all have in common? That if absent, according to Jesus, will by no means, they will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. All three of them. And you just look at their stories. A child that, that can't even show up unless her mommy lets her. 
Ryland that's got some, some challenges, some, some physical and, and uh, developmental de- delays that are, that are brutal. Or, or Sarah that, that goes, I've been, I'm a sheep that wanders. I'm the one out of 100 that walked away that does not deserve this. That all three of them manifest and exhibit this one core quality. They are the poor in spirit. And theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Can I just map out three quick implications? Beautiful implications for us today. And first off is this. you got to fill in the blank on this. It is the entrance into the kingdom of heaven. No one gets in apart from poverty of spirit. There's no one in the kingdom of heaven who is not poor in spirit. It is the salvific beginning of grace. Jesus said, enter by the narrow gate. Enter by the narrow gate. This is in the Sermon on the Mount. And I believe Jesus himself is that narrow gate. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. In John 10, he says, I am the door of the sheep. He is that narrow gate. And we come through him and we bring nothing of our own goodness and righteousness. We do not get forgiven and absolved of our sin because we kind of cleaned ourselves up. We kind of uh, made up the difference or have anything to bring to him. This is where, where all world religions depart from biblical Christianity. Is that we do not preach do but done. Jesus is the narrow gate and poverty of spirit saying, I got nothing, is entrance into that kingdom. Um, You got this beautiful parable in Luke 18 called the parable of the publican or the tax collector and the Pharisee. You've heard of it? This is what Jesus said. He told the parable because there were so many that were listening to him who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. They thought they were better. So Jesus tells a story. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector right here. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, Jesus says, standing off, would not even lift his eyes to heaven, beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That is poverty of spirit. And what does Jesus say about these two kinds of people, these two kinds of religion? And and what does he say about poverty of spirit being the entrance into the kingdom of God? He says, I tell you, this man, the tax collector, went down to his house justified, forgiven, made clean, rather than the other. And then Jesus adds adds this stinger. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Poverty of spirit 
is entrance into the kingdom. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Secondly, it is life and flourishing in the kingdom. It's not something that you get right one time, but there is more to it. Um, this is just, just filling out the rest of Jesus' statement in Matthew seven fourteen, For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life. This idea of life is, is benefit and blessing and flourishing. Abundant life. But the gate is narrow, talking about himself, the way is hard. But it leads to flourishing in the kingdom of God. And those who find it are few. I would argue that this, quote, hard way is the poverty of spirit that Jesus is teaching in chapter 5, verse 3. It is the footing on the narrow and hard way of the abundant life. That you don't get into the kingdom and go, I'm saved now. Oh, yeah, sucker, take that. I'm a Christian. What are you, loser? Huh? Probably liberal. This arrogant, cocky edge. Judgment and condemnation. You're just like the Pharisee. There you go. No, it begins with poverty of spirit. Lord, I, got, I, I don't deserve this. Even my faith that I have, Lord, I didn't make it up. That's a gift of grace. The blessings and benefit, salvation, heaven, it's a gift of grace. And why would I step out of that but continue to walk in that poverty of spirit for the rest of my life, not only through the narrow gate, but up the narrow and difficult path? And it leads to what? Life. The kingdom of heaven is at hand right now. And it's accessed through an ongoing poverty of spirit. Psalm 72, verse 12 through 13, says that God delivers the needy. I want to be delivered. I better get in touch with my neediness. The, the, the poor, he, he does the same thing. Uh, and him who has no helper. He has pity on the weak and the needy and saves the life of the needy. This has always been true. God is drawn to and exalts the person that is emptied of themselves, emptied of their own self-confidence, emptied of their own self-righteousness, who acknowledges themselves as spiritually and morally bankrupt before a holy God. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then finally, it is the very heart of Jesus and his people throughout the history of God's redemptive plan of the ages. Can I just cherry pick some individuals? This was demonstrated all throughout the Old Testament and then ratified in the New Testament and hopefully lived out in the church. Moses in Exodus chapter 3, God said, hey, you're going to go and deliver my people. Moses said these words, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? God, you got the wrong person. And I think that that's a great place to start. Instead of like, hey, pick me. I'm the guy. I, I've been waiting to do that for 80 years. By the time God came to him and said, hey, I got a job for you, he goes, Lord, no, you got the wrong person. Gideon in Judges 6, Gideon says, behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. You got the wrong guy. I'm not a great person. You got to pick someone else. David, Psalm 34, 6, this poor man cried. 
and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Come on, David, you can slay tens of thousands. Don't tell me you're poor. Open a can of whoop. You can do it. And David's like, this poor man, I can't do it. Isaiah, he was a professional preacher for years before this happened. He got a vision of heaven. And when he saw God in Isaiah 6, he says, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live amongst a people of unclean lips. I am undone. Poverty of spirit. Peter, we already looked. Luke chapter 5, depart from me. I am a sinful man, O Lord. Paul, Romans 7, 18, for I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what's right. So this is a Christian now who's actually planting churches and writing scripture. God is already using him, and yet he goes, nothing good dwells in me, not even in my flesh. My de desire is to do right, but then he says, but not the ability to carry it out. That is poverty of spirit. And then finally, we have Jesus himself. You go, Jesus, he's God. I know. And he didn't, he, he never sinned. And you're like, what? How is he poor in spirit? And I don't have a good answer for you. I just know that throughout the scriptures, he is described as one who is poor in spirit. A great prophecy way back, 600 years before he came, Isaiah 53, 3 says he was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Poverty of spirit. Matthew 21, 5, in the fulfillment of a great prophecy in Zechariah 9, 9, Jesus came as King Messiah riding into Jerusalem, and Matthew records it this way, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. Instead of on a white steed, he comes on a young donkey. Poverty of spirit. And then Matthew eleven twenty nine, Jesus says about himself, I am gentle and lowly of heart. Poverty of spirit. Whether you need a start today and you want to come into the kingdom of heaven, you want the kingdom of heaven to be in you. It begins here. Acknowledge your deep and profound need for a righteousness greater than your own. Because the scripture says whatever you've manufactured in and of yourself is as filthy rags compared to true righteousness that comes through faith in Christ. You need a start. It begins here. Poor in spirit. You're like, Sarah, you need a restart. You got a secret. You're sitting right here. Everyone thinks you're pretty awesome. Maybe you got baptized, and yet you recognize, man, I got a secret life that is wrecking me. I'm terrified that someone finds out about it. I'm ashamed of it. I'm addicted. You need a restart. It begins here. Or you're here, you're steady, but you're starting to get a little bit arrogant, a little bit cocky. And people are starting to be repelled by you. Yeah, that's what it does. And you go, man, I need to get back on the path. And I want to grow up into the kingdom of God. It's all accessed here. Poverty in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Right now, blessed are the poor in spirit. 
for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Thank you for listening to Journey Church Tucson Sermon Podcast. We'd love to have you join us in person on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. You can find out more about us at journeyefc.org.